Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Coming to you from uh, New Digs. We are not high above the Mellow Mushroom <laughs> any yes. longer. Mm-hmm. The Mellow Mushroom is still there, but we are not. We have moved from that We're studio. also not high. That's, oh, that's uh-huh. true. <laughs> now we're at the Ponderosa. We're here at Shea Larkin. We're in, <laughs> yeah, in the Larkin living room uh, without our beloved co-host from the West Coast. What's he up to? I wish I knew. I hear from him sporadically right now. Their life's going crazy out there. Okay. So um, I cannot speak definitively or authoritatively about what Aaron's up to right now. Okay. I, I'm dying to hear what's cooking with you, Mondo. Yeah. Well, you got to finish your intro. Who, who else is in the room? Oh, now? okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm here with uh, our fearless, peerless engineer, Mondo Grimes, and Newton Domini. Uh, what do we call you? You were the cabin boy for a while. but I'm all right. Yeah. I mean, I'm all right with that. The deckhand. Oh, no, right. I first, think he's the guy who's the mate. First or, admiral. Or uh, the guy who climbs to the top of the mast, whoever that is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. the dummy. The, the dummy. dummy. <laughs> the dummy man. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's so good to be uh, in a room with you guys again. Yeah. yeah, man. It is. It's cool. It's been a crazy uh, last few weeks here in the summer. We've been going in all kinds of different directions. and The regularity of the podcast has uh, suffered. Yeah, it's a, we sabba- have, it's a sabbatical. The yeah. podcast has a regularity problem. <laughs> 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 that is that is true. Yeah. yeah, we were just joking, saying you know leadership takes sabbaticals. Yeah. Well, non-leadership takes sabbaticals too. Or either just call it just problems with having regularity. So, yeah, there you right. go. But it's summer, man. It's summer. It is. It's summer is and a beautiful summer. It is. Yes, it yeah. is. Um, if there weren't so much traffic out there, I'd relocate us on the front porch right now because it's just that nice outside. Yeah. We're, yes. gonna, we're gonna have to try that one day though. Yeah. That'd okay. Yeah. We're gonna do man on the street interviews. That'd, that'd be funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just run it's, up yeah, the cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do that. Okay, that sounds yeah. great. So how do you feel about sex addiction? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Well, Mondo? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, summer, man, it's been nuts. Yeah. Um, completely nuts. Life uh, gets really busy. You got kids home from school. Yep. We have kids home from school. We have uh, vacations mm-hmm. planned. We have uh, parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. We've got family reunions. You've got oh yeah, a new business venture. Yeah. At the same time, you've mm-hmm. got just all of that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so there's been a, a, quite a bit of. Um, uh, travel. My wife's been traveling a lot, visiting family since it's summertime for her school. Sure, year, sure, know, sure. School break and uh, you know taking kids to amusement parks, going to visit grandparents, and yeah. then when I'm when I'm home, uh, slaving with the new new business and yeah. trying to get that off the ground good. And uh, so it's been nuts. It's hard to believe it's mid August. Yeah, I, I don't remember June and July like hardly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it, a blur. Yeah, man, absolutely. And so just trying to, I'm trying right now to slow down, mm-hmm. to smell the roses and see the trees on the side of the road. <laughs> it's, it's, it's felt like it's been green wall on the side, each yeah, side of me. Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm looking at a target and I really don't even know what that target is. Yeah. I, usually targets the bed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's some sort of rest or something. Yeah, yeah. And um, as of the last few days, I've been trying to slow down a little bit. Yeah. And so, but yeah. it's, it's been a great summer, just really busy. Um, yeah. Man, yeah, man. I'm tired, but 
but good. Everything, yeah. everything's good. Um, some things we'll talk about later in the, okay. the podcast. Some some guy stuff. All right. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, nothing really crazy to report. But just yeah, things good. All right. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> I've had entirely too much free time. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Can I borrow some? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so so we quit recording the podcast, and all of a sudden, I can start writing the business plan and actually getting that done. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we took a break, and I shaved my beard, went to Myrtle Beach, also known as Pigeon Forge by the Sea. <laughs> um, <laughs> got yeah. a, got a new tattoo. Got my wife pregnant. You know. Yes. Yeah. Did you get this? Yeah. I, I said I'll park my. I'll drive by. So yeah. I need to hit a home run, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Stuff, so I mean, that actually that actually happened before everything else. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So uh, now you guys have been married how long? Fourteen years. Wow. Almost fourteen. Uh, fourteen and a half yesterday, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And you waited. You you waited until you, the two of you were solid without the kid. Right. right? Yeah. Well, we the way we've talked about it. <laughs> right. We were we wanted to be sure it was working. Um, <laughs> It's a lot of practice, buddy. Right. Yeah. Um, well, if you saw my golf swing, you'd know like why it took so long. No, <laughs> but, no we just we we never were ready. I mean, we yeah. would, um, you know, we were married five years, and she changed careers. Right. And then we were married seven, seven, eight years. I changed careers and then she did it again. Yeah. And so I was like, well, we never, like there, I have been told there's never a, a good time to have a kid. Never convenient. Yeah. Right. But there are certainly bad times to have a kid. Right. Yeah. And I mean, while our marriage has been really good, like there are just not good times, like bad yeah. times to try and have a yeah. kid. So yeah, we feel like we're, I mean, stable in job stuff and um, yeah. So it was like, well, why not? You know, That's and we feel awesome. like, as we talked about it, like we've been married like longer than most of our friends that got married when we got married. Yeah. Um, so we've had this really long, full relationship and this history with each other where it's not just we know each other, but we've actually grown up together. Yeah. Yeah. And now we get to add something to that. Yeah. Uh, That's cool. We're, we're really excited. Um, so we, we feel... Like ready, we're ready for the adventure, not ready for parenthood, but ready for the adventure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, we're uh, we're pretty fired up. She's seventeen weeks. Uh, we're due at the end of January. Mm. So yeah, people are starting to notice she can't have a glass of wine in public without somebody saying something. They give her crack, <laughs> crap about the crack now. Right, yeah. right, all that exactly. stuff. Yeah, but yeah, she, she, she's really excited. <laughs> so, That's cool. Man. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's fun. We, uh, we, when you register, like we found out yesterday, we went to Target for just stuff. Um, we're like, well, let's go ahead and do like baby registry stuff. And we've done yeah. some online things, yeah. but never done like the gun deal, right. you know, yeah. where you walk around scanning things. Yeah. And so we, you know, I went to the customer service desk and the lady told me how to do it. And then she was like, Oh, so this is your first time, like, here? Yeah. I was like, yeah. She said, oh, hang on. And she went and grabbed us a bag of free crap. Really? Yeah. I nice. guess that's just how it works. You get pregnant, people give you free crap. Wow. So, awesome. yeah, I'm just going to start walking around telling people, see what yeah. I get. <laughs> so if podcast listeners yeah. want to buy a 
a diaper bag or a pacifier or, or a something. Bottle or, a bottle of bourbon. A bottle of bourbon. Well, right. yeah. I registered for a PS4. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy's not going on any trips anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, that would be Newton and Brooke Dominey <laughs> at your friendly neighborhood yeah. Target. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like we have, we're still filling all that stuff out. We haven't. I guess you publish them. Uh-huh. So you can start doing it before you're telling people or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've done that yet, but we're like really just now getting started. Yeah. We only told family a couple of weeks ago. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's How exciting that is. Yeah. That's yeah, we're really excited. I found out um, we've got other other friends, um, <laughs> other friends who podcast listeners most likely don't know, and you guys definitely don't know. Uh, who are also pregnant. Like, I just found that out last night. Yeah. Uh, I told a good friend of mine, and he was still in there. They were still in there. Uh, we can't tell anybody. Yeah, right, right, right. And he said it was killing him, because, like, when I told him, he knew that they were pregnant, but he couldn't tell me. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, we got a bunch of friends that are just popping up pregnant. It's, okay. It's like some sort of rash or something. Okay. You know? <laughs> Spending too much time together, everybody's getting pregnant. So That's awesome. Yeah. That's good, man. That's Congrats, man. Yeah, man, thank you. Killer. Thanks. Yeah, so, yeah, I hadn't been doing anything. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, bud? Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good summer, a fairly busy summer. Allie and I took a long road trip up to Newport, Rhode Island. Cool. I'd never been to Newport before. Mm-hmm. Performed a wedding for friends there at an oceanfront estate there in that beautiful town. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I uh, went through the Shenandoah Valley where you went hiking yeah. Uh, stopped in that little town of Abingdon, close to. Oh my gosh. What a great town. That's, yeah, that's and such a cool place. Went to the tavern. Have you, have you gone to the tavern? Yes. Been? Yes. Oh, this tavern that, like, George Washington ate out of. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I one think, of the founding fathers, right. Or, right? King Louis XV of France right. or something. Acts like, of that's treason cool. happened there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, and I'm. Back to writing, which is a good thing. Good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what are you working on? I'm working on a book. Like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, writing a book. Actually, I'm working on two things. I'm working on a video series on the Twelve Steps. Getting ready to start doing that. Cool. And a book aimed at women. Huh. Women who marry knuckleheads. Oh, huh. so all women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So how not to... Uh, it's going to be our story, my story and Allie's story. Yeah. We get asked about it all the time. The story really is just the vehicle for giving women kind of a vision for sure. surviving uh, the end of the fairy tale and mm-hmm. really finding something beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So it's hard work, though. Sure. Writing is hard work. Yeah. And I can find a million things to do other than sit down in front of the computer and write. So yes. my lawn is looking better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> I've cleaned out a few closets. Yeah, you know, good. My, okay. Mild weather and a writing project. <clears throat> Nate's going to win the Lawn of the Year award. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, when we come back, I want to tell you about a uh, sex trafficking seminar I spoke at earlier this week. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll be right back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Okay, so, you know, there is a, kind of a new thing happening. I'm, I continue to get lots of speaking engagements, and that really picks up in the fall. I'll be down in Boca Raton here 
week from Monday, and then September gets busy, October, November. But I'm getting some new invitations these days from people who are in the sex trafficking fight. Hmm. Um, and especially from people who want to look at the problem now from the demand side. What can we do to lower demand, mm -hmm. which will, yeah. right? It's a noble aim. It's a big aim. Um, and I happen to be, you know, one of the many men who have participated in the demand side of yeah. human sex trafficking, but uh, one of the few who voluntarily admitted it. So I get the phone calls. Um, earlier this week, I was at a uh, conference, was invited to speak at a conference in Dixon, uh, invited by a woman who does these workshops actually all over the country. Uh, and it's training for law enforcement and uh, social workers, healthcare workers, how to, how to recognize the victims of, of uh, human sex trafficking. <laughs> how to deal with it. So she invited me to come and speak really as kind of the, you know, the designated John, right? Right. So uh, I was just part of the program. I got there about an hour and a half early. I listened to a couple other speakers and just got sick to my stomach hmm. during the process. Um, you know, just, you know, learning that, you know, only about 20% of prostitutes are, you know, what we'd consider independence. Girls, wow. you know, girls who are in it because they want to be in it, they get to keep the money. Hmm. Uh, and even those uh, are in it, uh, la the largest percentage of them, because they believe they have no better option. Wow. If there were another option, they would take it in a heartbeat. But 80% have been coerced or induced or somehow hmm. forced there and uh, for the profit of other people. And that's a very disturbing thought. And, you know, the the average age that uh, a woman in the United States enters prostitution, according to this workshop, is an astonishing 13. Oh, my gosh. Uh, average length of time in the business, seven years. Hmm. Um, so uh, a guy who, who trains the Justice Department, the FBI, and, uh, you know, a national figure in missing and exploited children talked and and whenever he and the other presenters talked about the Johns, the guys who's actually paid for sex, it was in this kind of, it was in a very dismissive tone. You know, it's kind of you know, these sick guys, right? Yeah. At least that's what I heard. I heard right. I heard them through my shame. Sure. And uh, you know, it's been a very long time, it's been over fifteen years since I did that, but uh, man, memories came back. And, hmm. uh, so, in fact, during well, while the one cop was talking, he was talking about pulling people over and then seeing what's going on in the car. Yeah. And and I had a memory of something I had not recalled in years and years and years. I remember picking up a street prostitute prostitute in Fort Lauderdale, and this must have been uh, must have been mid '80s, early on because I didn't do that for very many years. I soon had enough money that I could that I wasn't picking girls up off the street anymore. But I had picked this girl up off the street and uh, had gone to a parking garage at the Galleria Mall in Fort Lauderdale. And 
we had just kind of gotten things started rolling with her and a patrol car pulled up behind. Oh. The officer came to the window and I was pulling myself together and the girl was pulling herself together and the guy asked, I don't remember what I told him. He wanted my license and registration. He took him back to his car. He sat there and I was beside myself in panic. I was, mm. I was still a pastor at the time and I could just see it all, I mean, ending. Mm. And, um, and then he came back and he handed me my license and registration and gave me a, a disgusted look and told me to get out of there. And I took the girl and dropped her and gave her money and left. Uh, and said, and told myself, boy, that was, that was it. That was close. That was the warning I needed. That was the line that, you know, that was enough. Yeah. That's going to make me stop. <clears throat> and it was only a temporary stop because sure. I had not recognized or even started to deal with uh, the motivations that were behind that behavior. So anyway, I remembered that while this cop is addressing a room full of cops and social workers, right? And I texted Allie. She, she was here. She was home praying for me, hmm. and um, I said, "These people are going to hate my guts," because I sometimes get that reaction when I'm speaking, and I've and there, especially women who are involved in the fight against sex trafficking. You know, more than one woman, several women have said, "When you started talking, I, I, I loathed you." Wow. You know, mm-hmm. that. For most women, I think that eventually turns around if they listen long enough and they they hear the human behind the action, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so anyway, I got up and I uh, the way I opened decided to open was I said I said imagine you're participating in a raid on a house of prostitution. It's a rescue mission, and you bust down the door and you go inside and you break down the door to a bedroom and inside you find a guy maybe guy, middle-aged guy, in the process of having sex with a girl. Uh, she's a captive, I said. And incidentally, the title of this workshop was Setting Captives Free. Hmm. I said, she's a captive, whether there are chains on her or not. Um, the odds are very, very good she's a captive. She's been coerced, she's been induced, she's been forced somehow to be there. And she cannot get away on her own. Her head might be on all crazy now. She doesn't think she has options. She's a captive. She can't get out on her own. She needs your help. And I said that the focus of this workshop is her, as it should be. But I want to suggest to you that it's possible, it's quite possible, that she's not the only captive in the room. Uh, It could well be that the guy is a captive of a different kind who didn't want to be there either, uh, who has told himself time and time again that he won't be there, uh, who, but who wakes up every morning with a sense of doom. He could be a, a, a man with social standing. He could be married. He could have kids. Um, <clears throat> and uh, this may violate his most deeply held moral principles, but he's been, he's been caught in a trap. He is a captive of a different kind. I said, the reason I know that could very well be the case is I've been that guy. And over the course of the last 17 years, I've talked to thousands of guys and listened to hundreds of guys with stories like mine. And, uh, you know, and have felt the helplessness and cried for them 
And um, and the and the truth is, every even that guy, that captive of a different kind, needs help. Mm. He can't get out on his own. And, I, and then I talked about how you know my experience in recovery is I didn't go to recovery until a crisis, until my wife, until I was going to lose my marriage. That's the only thing that finally broke through my denial denial enough for me to admit that I was never going to be able to solve it on my own. It's bigger than me. I was going to have to get help, right? Um, but without the crisis, I wouldn't have gone. Yeah. And I said, you know, what I've seen in recovery, whether it's in 12-step recovery or Samson, guys do not come, or at least they do not stick without a crisis. They might do a flyby when they suspect, you know, they might have a problem. Right. And then they kind of see what it, you know, the, the rigorous honesty that this demands and the alterations they've got to make in their lifestyle and the way they've got to get out of isolation. And, and unless there's a crisis, you know, they go back with a renewed, you know, they, they, they leave again with a renewed uh, resolution to do it. And then quite often, a few years later, we'll see them again because they remember, right? right? And then they finally hit the wall. But they come when she leaves, or they get fired, or they get arrested. Yeah. Uh, some some kind of crisis breaks through the wall. And, uh, you know, there are a few, there are a few rare guys who are able, I think, you know, the, let's not underestimate the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And God is able sovereignly, without the agency of other people, to look at us through the mirror and uh, allow us, give us the gift of seeing how desperate our situation is. But typically it's that crisis. And uh, so when I was talking to the cops, what I said was, um, you know, you don't need to hate the guy. You don't need to loathe the guy. You don't need to shame the guy. Uh, but, but neither do you need to enable addictive behavior. You're not doing them a favor by just letting them walk. Yeah. I said, and so I, I, to, I told him about my memory of the guy, of the cop in the parking, of the, in the parking garage. <clears throat> and I said, uh, you know, now I wonder what would have happened if he'd have done something more than give me a dis disgusted look? Mm -hmm. Could he have saved me 12 years? Mm. Maybe. So anyway, it was a sobering thing, a uh, hard thing. That is not an enjoyable gig. Yeah. Uh, but I got a very strong response, got a standing over when it was over, and a couple of invitations to come speak for sheriff's departments. So hmm. um, I'd be interested, but, you know, I've told that story to a couple of friends uh, in the last few days. And interestingly, I've gotten varying reactions. Hmm. Some guys just... Uh, insulted by uh, any effort to infringe upon our freedom by mm -hmm. criminalizing uh, prostitution. You know, guys were hanging on to the fantasy that these are women, who, all women doing what they want to do, and, you know, it's consenting adults, and the government should stay out of it. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'd be interested to hear what our listeners think. Yeah. Um, I know this is a hot topic, lots of people talking about human sex trafficking these days. 
Interestingly enough, I got this invitation because this woman, apparently, she'd seen me, I remember, vaguely remember doing an interview for a documentary years ago called Sex and Money, hmm. which I had never seen. But every now and again, I'm recognized by people who saw me in Sex and Money and they want to talk about it. And she apparently has been showing clips of the movie. I oh. still haven't seen the movie. Uh, so I'd be interested to, to know what thoughts this stimulates in our readers. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm wondering whether work that I might do on behalf of the victims of sex trafficking might qualify as some amends for what I did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, before I forget, yeah. Um, do you remember early on, um, probably within the first twenty podcasts, we had a gentleman on, and we, we may need to revisit it. Um, but he he started an organization called End E N D Demand. Yeah, remember that? Mm -hmm. I do. And um, I think he was out of Texas, I believe. I believe so. Yeah. I think and. Um, but we, we, we may need to go back and, and listen to what he was talking about. But I do remember that his daughter uh, was a victim mm -hmm. um, of sex trafficking, and which is what sparked him to yeah. to start his initiative. So, um, so it's, it's interesting now that you're, you're hearing more organizations that are focusing on the demand side versus just the the rescuing and restoration side. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember one thing that he mentioned was, uh, you know. He say he talks to a lot of men, and they say, "Well, you know, I, I don't, I don't solicit prostitution. Mm -hmm. I don't support sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. I don't blah 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 blah." Well, he said, "Well, honestly, if you have some sort of a sex addiction, whether it be with pornography or going to strip clubs, you are supporting." Yes, because yeah. a, a lot of the strip clubs are owned by traffickers. Yeah, a lot of those mm -hmm. girls are trafficked. Yes, uh, especially when you go to the islands and other places. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're in, if you're in Saint Martin and you go to uh, establishment and see a girl from Ukraine in there yeah hello yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. right um, and also too uh, uh, talking about how a lot of the pornography sites are owned by trafficking organizations mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. they're using guys who have pornography uh, issues to using those funds to fund actual trafficking yeah and a lot of those girls are trafficked yeah so it's a it's a multi-level business it's not just on the streets, picking them up. Right, it's right. not just you know. Yeah. It's 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 multi layered and and he was it was very eye opening. Yeah. Um, and then of course with my experience over in Cambodia, mm -hmm. and and staying on the hottest street in Cambodia. Yeah, yeah. For for listeners who don't recall that mm -hmm. episode, mm -hmm. talk a little bit about your experience when you guys went over there with those young girls in Cambodia. Sure. Well, the reason we went uh, briefly was to. Um, raise funds for a home that rescues and restores young women ages five girls, five to 18. Yeah. Um, and John and I went over there to touch, feel the home, right. you know, the, the people, meet the girls, understand what we were raising funds for. Right. Uh, I didn't want to be a long distance kind of deal. So uh, we went over there and uh, because of us being male, we were limited as far as the kind of interaction we could have with the girls. Sure. So we asked them, okay, well, what else is there for us to do? You know? Yeah. And they said, well, we can introduce you to the guys that are on the rescuing side. Yeah. And also to the guys that are on the prevention side. Right. And so prevention was interesting because you're, you're hands and feet with people in Cambodia. You're, yeah. you're empowering them. 
giving them, you know, resources so they don't have to sell a child. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. For money. Okay. Yeah. So you're giving them rice, pigs, chickens, building, you know, fences for them, huts, the whole nine right. prevention. Then right. there's the rescuing side, which is obvious. Um, and these guys were uh, a team of guys that were all former Rangers, Navy SEALs from yeah. here, British, wow. uh, the, the British, and also Australia. Wow. And these guys were like Rambo's. Really? Yeah. And these guys were dudes that would go into you know, these establishments and yeah. rescue girls. And wow. I mean, they had every guy, they had guys from, who just did Intel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, most of those guys that I met, they were Australian guys, low key, just, uh-huh. little, just like us, just very, yeah. you know, wife, family, whole lived there. Yeah, yeah. I lived there, yeah. but their job was Intel. Wow. But then you had the other guys who, they were the knock down the door, go in and get it. Yeah. Dudes. Wow. And, um, so then we got to experience that, but you know, living on the sh- living on the, that street for two weeks, and uh, seeing, you know, middle aged and uh, older men, yeah, intentionally buying, you know, thousand dollar flights or more, right, to go to one street, hmm. in Cambodia, yeah, to do whatever the hell they want, right, with girls ages probably on the street ten to twenty something, right. and hotels endorse it. Yeah, hmm. uh, you you can't really say anything because the military is in on it too, right? And the government, mm-hmm. it's tourism. Yeah, they're not going to shut. They're not going to shut that down. Right. Hmm. So, um, so the, the experience is, I, I do. It's a it's a pickle when I when I hear you say that the guys are victims too. I totally agree with that. Yeah, but then I also feel what the cops are thinking too. Yeah, yeah. sure. Because being there, as much as I felt bad for all the men that I saw mm-hmm. because the thing is I had to make them think I was one of them right because you don't know who's actually a trafficker right those guys well, are evil man like they are I mean it's uh, from what I understand more dangerous than guys in the drug game oh yeah wow. and so you can't expose yourself as a missionary right <laughs> you have to blend in right <laughs> so uh, case in point uh, two Russian guys almost just beat me down in the elevator because they start asking questions. I didn't answer one right, and we, they were about to rip my head off in the elevator. Of the really, hotel. really. Wow. Um, and and he, and just the night before, I saw these guys sell a girl in the lobby. Really. And wow. bought another one. Mm-hmm. And John saw it too. We were, yeah. we were sitting there in the lobby with some passers and other people, and saw it go down right in front of us. So, so you can't. You have to kind of blend in. So when I see when I see the the customers, yeah. Who fly there for entertainment or whatever? Yeah. You look in their eyes and you feel like, man, yes, they are. These guys are trapped, man. These yeah. guys are deep in it. Right. I mean, it's like almost like their, their pupils are dilated. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like they're just they're 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 in this zone. Right. And just don't know how to get out of it. But then there's the, when you see the action side from like the cops' perspective. Yeah. When you see what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you see a 60-year-old man walking down the street with a girl's 15 holding hands. Yeah. You, you're, you're at a table at a restaurant and see a man sitting next to you who's in his 40s sitting with a girl who's probably 15. Yeah. And dating her. Yeah. And knowing what's going to happen later. Yeah. Which is what the cops see. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand why they want to rip his head off. I get it. I, so there, there's, there's definitely a tug. Yeah. There's the there's the the spiritual emotional side and there's yeah. the physical side. Yeah. yeah. So I, I understand why some guys would hear you speak. Yeah. And have and be ch- challenged, but also question you a little bit yeah, too. Yeah. 
Um, because I can tell you, man, there were so many days and so many nights I would go in the hotel. I'm shaking out just thinking about it, man. Yeah. It's, it's, you just want to kill those dudes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, and, it, and the thing, it's not like you see one. Yeah. Right. Hundreds. Oh. Hundreds. Why? I mean, just out and open. Yeah. And you can't do a freaking thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, just imagine going down any, you know, average town street and seeing a whole bunch of guys that don't live there. Yeah. Walking around and each, like, and literally each establishment has about 10 to 20 girls sitting out front. Yeah. And guys just picking them. Yeah. So, so I, 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 and I, I think prevention and restoration and rescuing is obviously very much needed. The demand is, is needed just as much. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, because, I mean, literally, man, I mean, if, if the demand doesn't stop. Yeah. Well, they've the built supply, a tour- yeah. The tourism industry is built around it. Right. Clearly, there's a demand issue. Right. And I think, you know? I think more organizations need to focus on that. Yeah. Because think about it, man. It's the uphill. If, if you don't focus on the demand. Yeah. Right. right. It's, that, a for, it's a for-profit business. Right. And if there was something that was more profitable. It's enlightening guys. Those guys on, would do that. On what they're doing. Yeah. Not just the guys who are soliciting human beings. It's the guys on the computer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because if I'm on a website, whether I'm paying or not, you're, yeah. there's ad traffic. There's all, all those things that put money into it. Yeah. Um, they're probably selling my data, mm-hmm. right? Because of how all those back clicks and backtracks work. And so they're, it's, whether you're paying or not, revenue is being generated. It's kind of like when they, when you speak and you talk about how you know the, the internet was a, a safe place and can be a safe place, so-called safe so-called place, safe place, so-called right. safe place because it's the girl that won't laugh at me, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. the this and that, you know, the girl that won't shame me. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of as you know, millions of guys live in that space, right? Right. Um, it's it's enlightening those guys to the physical, real aspect of it. This is not cyber. Mm-hmm. This is real. Human being. This is, it could be your daughter, mm-hmm. your sister. Mm-hmm. Could have been your mom back in the day. Don't know. It, mm-hmm. it could. It, it's when you know when you actually see, smell, touch, and feel, mm-hmm. and know that what you're doing is as much as you think it's so called innocent. I guess I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I didn't give anybody my credit card. Mm-hmm. I didn't right. give anybody a dollar. Mm-hmm. Well, you're yeah. supporting. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's no different than going to some sort of crazy. Um, meeting or organization and you know say a cult some sort of crazy you know yeah. whatever it's like well I don't support it I just go to the meetings yeah. I don't I don't I don't give them money <laughs> I don't tithe yeah. you know yeah. I, yeah I know they you know they kill cattle and they you know right. they do this to people and this and that and I know it's crazy absolutely yeah I agree it's crazy but I don't support it I just sit in the back row yeah right, right. yeah it's really the same thing and, yeah and mm-hmm. it, it was it was enlightening for me when I went, man. To it, it woke me up. Yeah. So I mean, what what I hear you guys saying is whether you are actively hiring a prostitute or just going to websites, there's no way to participate in the sex industry without supporting sex trafficking. Right. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that that's a a harsh. I mean, it's hard for me to hear. Yeah, I think, but I think that's a like that's a harsh reality for the average porn user mm-hmm. who thinks of it as a victimless crime. Who thinks of it not even as a crime, mm-hmm. as as 
a leisurely activity, like no different than drinking a beer. Right. You know, um, I mean, that's those are those are hard words. Yeah. You know, it's the whole thing. That's uh, a hard truth. The, the greatest trick to ever say never pull was convincing the world he didn't exist. Yeah. And, you know, what well, the guy we talked to, I can't remember his name, the in demand guy in Texas, he said that um, one of the, the tactics that traffickers use is is to make regular people unaware that they actually they're actually there. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, he was saying, you know, a lot of malls in the world, in, in America, mm-hmm. uh, you go in, in the middle of the mall, see all this little kiosk, and these little, these young girls from all over the, the world, yeah, are, oh, are, se- are selling your eyebrows, eyebrows and, and selling you know yeah. cosmetics and sunglasses. He said a lot of those are owned by trafficking organizations, and yeah. those girls were trafficking themselves. Yeah, and matter of fact, there was a kiosk in Cool Springs Mall that got busted a couple years ago. Huh. Um, and after he mixed, I remember that kiosk. It was, I mean, every time you went by there, there was different girls from, yeah. they, you know, it's like, we're in Franklin. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, yeah. you're, right. you said you're Egyptian. Yeah. And then two weeks later, somebody else there. Right, yeah. you're from Kiev. Right. So, yeah. but using regular people to fund the organization mm-hmm. or using regular guys who just go on the computer from time to time just think, well, it's just my little thing. Yeah. Well, you know, you're, you're supporting a big thing. Right. So... So yeah, it's it's, it's it's interesting, man. I mean, you know, I uh, hearing hearing you, the victim side of that guy in the room. Yeah, it's that was the tug I felt. Yeah, when I was yeah. there, so yeah. I totally resonate with. Yeah. It, but also, I see what the cops were saying too, man. Oh man, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So I totally get it. You yeah. Know? But yeah, so. <laughs> you know, I got another nice uh, kind of a wake up call and a corrective. I was speaking in Springfield, Missouri, a few weeks ago. And it was a mixed group of guys and girls that I spoke to for two days. And uh, some, of the, some of them were involved in a sex trafficking uh, initiative right there in Springfield, Missouri. You'd think, hey, Springfield, Missouri, for Pete's sake. Right. Guess what? You know, trafficking gone. At any rate, I, uh, we did a Q&A session and... Um, I got a question that I often get, and I now, you know, and I develop kind of a stock answer to it. You know, how long, the question is, how long was it before your wife would trust you again? And, uh, or how long before she got over the pain of it or whatever? Yeah. And so there's this line that I happened on two years ago where I just say, you know, it, it, it took a while. It was, it was a few years before I could make hooker jokes. Right. Right. Um, so, Afterwards, I got a note in a female hand. Just said, um, you know, appreciate that you're here, but I need to let you know that your use of the word hooker was very, very disturbing to me and to the other women in the room. And I put all the women in small group sharing time, so I know they talked about it, right? It's It's a demeaning... Uh, stereotyping word. Yeah. Uh, this is a person. This is, and um, it was offensive. And I, I really wish you would consider not using that word again. Hmm. So I, you know, I got the note. The next time I had the group together, I apologized and thanked whoever was who wrote the note. But I, but and I saw there how easy it was for me just by employing that word, suddenly not to see a person anymore. Right, and to make her the bad guy. 
Right. 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 Yeah. She's, a, she's a hooker. Right. right. Yeah. I got hooked. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been good to kind of get reoriented. I'm still very much in the learning phase. So what would you like to hear uh, or see or from the listeners? Because uh, um, I think there's a lot to chew on. Yeah. Right yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely always interested to hear what guys think as far as perspective. Yeah. Um, I mean, any, anything we just talked about. I mean, there's several things we hit on. Yeah. But it'd be, it'd be cool to invite the guys to and, and ladies to write in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this has not been a topic we've talked a lot about. And I would love to hear uh, any kind of perspective that our listeners would hmm. want to send us. So if, um, if you had a reaction to anything you heard during our little unscripted conversation here, do drop us a note, will you? At uh, samsonpodcast at gmail.com or uh, piratemonkradio at gmail.com. <clears throat> they one will get to us. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's always Twitter. There's at, Twitter and there's at, Facebook. Yeah, and Facebook. At Pirate Monk Radio <clears throat> for Twitter. I don't know the Facebook page. I never remember it anyhow. Yeah. Is it just Samson Podcast? I think it's Pirate Monk Radio. Pirate Monk Radio. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. SJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And speaking of Jay, by the way, Jay reluctantly uh, uh, announced his retirement as executive producer. We have an opening on the show. Yes, we do. Uh, at the same pay level. Right. That Jay was at and that uh, that we're at. And same retirement benefits. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it really doesn't matter where you live if you're the type of person who can, uh, who's got an organized mind, who's not afraid to uh, make contact with people. The the main responsibility of the executive producer is to book guests and, and orient the guests before the show. So if you'd like to apply for that position as the executive producer of the Pirate Monk Radio uh, podcast, please uh, go ahead and drop us a note. Yeah. yeah. Great. All right. We'll be back in a minute uh, here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh Lord, I offer this song. I bow at your throne. Humbly I give my incense of to you I belong I surrender my all Humbly I give My incense of worship My arms are open wide Let your glory fill this place I'm thirsty for
just enough time to have us a quick mini meeting what do you say yeah all right let's do it welcome then to this mini meeting <laughs> of the samson society as you all know we're a company of christian men who also happen to be loners natural loners who recognize the dangers of isolation and are determined to escape them natural wanderers who finding spiritual peace and prosperity at home natural liars who are now finding freedom in the truth there's a novel concept. Uh, natural judges who are learning how to judge ourselves aright, and natural strongmen who are experiencing God's strength as we admit our weaknesses. As Christians, we meet at other times for worship, for teaching, and for corporate prayer. Today, however, we meet to talk. Our purpose is to assist one another in our common journey. We do so by sharing honestly out of our own personal experience the challenges and encouragements of daily Christian living in a fallen world. That's, by the way, that's, if you haven't been to a Samson meeting, that's an extract from the uh, suggested meeting format for a typical one-hour Samson meeting. Yeah. We're doing the accelerated version, so we're going to go straight <laughs> to sharing, okay? Right. right. Uh, this is where the mini aspect of mini meeting comes in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're going to skip introductions. We're not even going to pray. We're just diving straight in. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, suggested topic today is uh, distraction. Ooh. We're not confined to that subject. You may speak about anything that's currently commanding your attention. The floor is now open. My name is Mondo. Hey, hey Mondo. Mondo. Uh, distraction is interesting for me right now. Uh, I will stick with this topic. Um, uh, I will say over the last three, maybe four months, I've been pretty distracted by um, busyness mm -hmm. and to-do list. And I, I, I haven't been uh, meeting with guys like I had normally like to do. Um, I, ha I've, I haven't been communicating with guys like I normally do. Um, and my dumb justification was, well, I've got a lot of things going on. 
And, mm-hmm. and it's funny because I think um, sometimes I, I look at distraction as things that come in my life that I didn't bring in. Mm-hmm. Where I'm, I've learned as of late that I'm pretty good at distracting myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and what ends up happening is um, time management kind of unravels. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, priorities get a little bit confusing. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel distracted because these are all things that I put here. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm realizing that you can get distracted when your priorities are all mixed up. Yeah. Because uh, that's that's been that's happened. Uh, I had a friend call me out on it last week, um, and I didn't even realize it. I, you know, he's, I, I had no idea, mm-hmm. and and I think just the the busyness of of things that I let in my life, boundaries that didn't set, mm-hmm. um, because I, you know I do want to, I do have a good heart and want to do this amount of things. I do have a to do list that I want to you know get taken care of. I do have responsibilities to to achieve and to make sure that I'm responsible. And mm-hmm. I do, you know, have a family. I do have, you know, kids and a wife. I do have, you know, uh, work obligations. I do have this and that. And, you know, these are all things that should be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm distracted by each one of these things uh, having its own to-do list mm-hmm. and not setting boundaries to make sure that each thing can be taken care of. And... Um, and I didn't realize how distracted I was until my buddy called me out. Yeah, on it, and um, it's uh, it was quite humiliating actually when he did. <laughs> um, well, and then, then you you just feel like an idiot, you know. At least I did, but he didn't shame me or anything. It was just yeah, he just kind of woke me up, and I was like, Are you kidding? I'm like, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I didn't even view it that way. Hmm. Um, and I like then you know I started kind of dancing around it. I was like, but you know. But man, it's family and it's work and it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the Lord. And, you know, he was like, well, hold on a second. He said, one of the things that I can see that's important in your life as far as your purpose in life is walking with men. Have you been doing it? Yeah. I was like, mm, <laughs> not really. Yeah. Okay. He said, what's your, you know, wife and kids saying about the work hours? Yeah, we had a conversation last week. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you feel like you can't sleep because there's so much to do? You're waking up early, having a hard time going to sleep. Yeah? Hmm. Mm-hmm. He's kind of broke it down. He said, well, you're distracted yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And, and he said, you got to start setting boundaries. Yeah. With the good things. You know, boundaries aren't always that. You set boundaries so that way you don't fall back into your addiction. Now, yeah. that's one type of boundary. But yeah. what about those those boundaries that kind of trim the fat the, uh, trim the fat of the good things? Yeah. yeah. It's not bad. It's just... There's only 24 hours in a day. Right. Right. You only have one family. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, f- for me, man, uh, a distraction has been uh, something kind of crept up on me, and then my buddy pulled the sheets back. Yeah. And say, hey, man, you need you need to look at this. This is a this is a mess. Yeah. Hmm. You need to rearrange this. Yeah. And trim that. Get rid of that. This is not bad, but it's got to go. You just don't. You yeah. can't do it right now. Yeah. Maybe there's yeah. a time for that. So. Uh, that's timely you picked that topic, man, because it literally was a Monday morning uh, wow. is when we had that talk. Hmm. And, uh, and it was cool because, that, you know, uh, I appreciate the fact he was bold enough to go there. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, the thing is, I didn't bring up anything to him. I didn't say, you know, 
hey, man, I'm just trying to figure out what yeah. the heck's going on. I said, yeah, just busy doing stuff. He's like, cool, man. He said, let me ask a couple questions. <laughs> you know, and then, yeah. of course, part part of that stupid side of me was like, man, why are you asking so many damn questions? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what exactly. I was like, that probably started pumping up. And I was yeah, like, man. you know. Yeah. Then I'm sitting there like, eh, you got a point, bro. Like, yeah. All right. So, so that that's, yeah, man, that's, uh, yeah, that's where I am with distraction right now. So just trying to, trying to get it together. So I'm Mondo. Thanks, Mondo. Yeah. I'm Newton. Hey, Newton. Uh, and the first thing I feel <clears throat> when I think about distractions is uh, how it how I felt the first six months, maybe more. <clears throat> uh, once I got into a 12-step program, yeah, um, my head and the way I conducted myself had been exposed as unsafe. Yeah. And so I couldn't, um, like I didn't feel capable of just sitting in a room by myself. Mm -hmm. I would have to be in perpetual motion, mm -hmm. exhausting myself because if I'm home by myself or if I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that, then something bad's going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm going to act out. I'm going to have a slip, whatever. Um, and I think that was kind of a protection mechanism to not have to deal with the deeper root issue underneath right. the action. I could distract myself with busyness and activity mm -hmm. So that I wouldn't have to sit with myself and figure out, yeah, well, who am I? Like what? Like what? What hurts? Yeah. Like where is it? Where is this coming from? Um. And you know, finally started doing that. I mean, and it's still something that that I can catch myself doing. Yeah. You know, uh, where I will default to. Well, if I'm gonna <clears throat> be good, I need to stay busy, you know. Yeah. And it's almost that level of activity when it goes over a certain threshold. It's a protection mechanism for me. It's me hiding somehow, yeah, and not wanting to sit with something that I need to wrestle with or that hurts. Or it's not a well, you know, idle hands. Or the devil's workshop, or whatever that phrase is. It's okay. There's something I'm ignoring. Yeah. You know, I I don't want to deal with this fear or this sadness or this loneliness or, or whatever. I don't want to deal with that. So I'm gonna distract myself from it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's that's what I think of when I'm when I am balanced and feeling good. Uh, Distractions are, and they can be good things. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, took Monday off and went and saw a movie. Yeah. It was great. That was a healthy activity. That was a distraction from, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a busy work week. But if I'm going to see a movie and then my wife isn't going to be home, so I go have a beer with a buddy, and then I want to make sure, you know, if I'm, if I'm lining up distractions so that I'm, it's yeah. just one after mm -hmm. the other then I know that there's something that I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of turned into a cue for me yeah. to 
sit and stop and like look at okay, what what am I afraid of? What what what's there? Um, so yeah, that's that's what I think of when I when I think of distractions. Distraction. Thanks, Newton. Yeah, Thanks, Newton. Yeah, I'm Nate. Uh, as I, I really resonated, Mondo, when you said that you're capable of distracting yourself, as I mentioned a little while ago. Uh, I, I have writing projects, creative projects that I need to get done, that I want to get done, that are frustrating and difficult and painful. And um, so, yeah, I do have a tendency... Uh, a demonstrated tendency to manufacture distractions. Hmm. Stay busy all day long and just too busy to get to it. Uh, there's a saying in in 12-step recovery, the old timers have one, I really like it, and it, it goes like this, it says, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And I do know that in my life, uh, not obviously, I mean, the main thing is Jesus and all of that. But let's set the Sunday school answer aside for a moment. Right. Practically in my life, for my life to, to run, for me to be capable of engaging spiritually with God, engaging emotionally uh, with my wife, being there for being productive and creative and really enjoying life. The main thing for me is... I've got to stay sexually sober, and uh, and I, and that require and there's and sobriety requires maintenance. It requires yeah. just n not maniacal focus, but it you always got to keep it in your rearview mirror, right? Because it's always working on catching up with you, right? Right, uh, and. Uh, it's easy for me to drift into busyness, whether it's ministry busyness, right. uh, work, uh, and neglect just the basics of sobriety. I'm, so for me, any rhythm is helpful. If I'm going to a weekly meeting, that's very helpful. Uh, podcasts are helpful having this yeah, conversation right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean I don't do this just because I love the listener I do this because <laughs> it helps me yeah. right yeah. Uh, brings me back we're going to have I know I'm going to have a substantive conversation on Wednesday yeah. right? that's a good thing um, I have in the last couple of weeks picked up again uh, a discipline that I was taught early in recovery and did for several years and it was very fruitful and very helpful. And I somehow let it slip away, which is the, that morning journaling. Hmm. Uh, taking 20 minutes at the top of the day to write honestly, as fast as I can, three pages. I write for 20 minutes and just try to uh, put my thoughts on paper, uh, the, the, the truth about what I'm thinking about, what I'm feeling what I'm doing. It's a way of centering me in the day at the top of the day. Hmm. It's a very simple thing to do. If I, and, and my life, I'm always more creative. And now when I look back, I've been very frustrated on trying to write, get back into writing the book. It's been tough to stay on it. And then I remembered when I wrote Samson and the Pirate Monks, I was doing that journaling first thing every, every hmm. day. Hmm. It's a way to just kind of corral the thing. 
So uh, my endless battle against distraction, uh, my, my current weapon of choice is that journaling at the top of the day. And, I, cool. uh, and I'm not missing it. I'm really enjoying it. Really enjoying it. Cool. All right. Well, I think we've come to the end of the hour, haven't we, Mondo? Yeah, okay. we have, yeah. Uh, All right. I'd love to see. uh, It's going to be good to to see how this turns out. We've done this without the fancy equipment and the (laughs) state of the art uh, Nashville studio. We're doing doing pretty raw. Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it on uh, uh, on a laptop. Yeah. Yep. Having a conversation in the living room. So we'll see how it goes. I know you can work magic with it, though, Mondo. Yeah, I'm going to try to make it sound sweet. So okay. See what we do. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's it. Until next week, we're going to get back in the rhythm here, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, we'd love to hear from you, the listener. That that email address again is Samson Podcast. Samson is S A M S O N. Don't put a P in there. Uh, Not Ralph Samson. That's right. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, according to Google, and they've got these search. Seventeen uh, percent of the people who search for Samson Society spell it with a P. Wow. Yeah. No, Samson Podcast, S-A-M-S-O-N Podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at Gmail. That starts with a G. (laughs) So until next week, I'm Nate. Mondo. I'm Newton. And uh, we love you here on the Pirates Monk Podcast. Take your day by day.